BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Bad Broadcast. Well, the Bad Broadcast in her Halloween costume, which is the Bood Broadcast. So if this is your first week here and you don't know what I'm talking about, for the whole month of October, things are spooky around here. I'm reading stories submitted by you guys, and it's all about haunted experiences, supernatural, alien abductions, whatever it may be. That's what our episodes are about this month. Not all of them will be this format, by the way. Last week, I did submitted stories. This week, we're doing submitted stories. And then the next two weeks, next two Mondays of October, will be a little bit different. So we'll switch it up next week. But either way, I'm so glad you're here. And I'm glad that I can, in some way, provide festive content. Because I don't necessarily love scary things. I actually hate scary things. I hate being scared. which. Maybe if you haven't been here, it seems weird that I would dedicate an entire episode to it. But there's something you should know about me. And it's if I love anything in this world, it's a theme. So of course I had to theme my October episodes. I didn't come here to to half-ass a holiday. We gotta, we gotta dive in. Whole ass it. Sorry, mom. Anyway, before I begin with the episode, let's do a little recap of the week. A love-hate segment. This is where I tell you three things I loved this week and three things I hated just so you know. My first love for the week is Squid Game. I'm watching it. You're watching it. My family's watching it. Everybody's watching it. It's everywhere. It's Netflix's, 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 whatever that word is. It's Netflix's new release. It's the new release on Netflix. Gosh. Okay. The premise, in case you don't have Netflix or you live in the wilderness or something, it's basically a series about all of these strangers who have unpayable debts, and now they're competing in a bunch of games in order to win the prize money. It's not an actual game show. It's a drama. And spoiler alert, if you lose the game, you die. And it's graphic, to say the least. I feel like I should tell you guys before you give it a go. Uh, I can't ever really tell how I'm going to react to blood in a show until it's actually happening to me. Like, we watched Game of Thrones. No problems at all. Literally watched people get their eyes gouged out. And it didn't even faze me. But then I will watch a movie with somebody getting like their blood taken or getting a shot. And I will be on the floor with my legs up knocking on death's door. So anyway, we're liking Squid Game. 
We're only three episodes in. I'll keep you all posted. And it's intense. All right. My next love for the week. I am not a jeans girl. So I feel it is my duty to tell you guys when I find a good pair. And they're at Abercrombie. Yep. When was the last time you shopped at Abercrombie? 2002? Maybe? Well, they've improved a lot. And now a large is like actually a large and not the size of a small toddler. So the jeans are called the Curve Love 90s Ultra High Rise Straight Jeans. Okay. They could really probably shorten that name by a few words, but whatever. Here we are. I bought some, loved them. And my last love, Halloween Wars. Yearly Food Network Competition. As many of you already know this, it's my life's work to become famous enough to judge a baking competition one day. So I figure if I shout them out enough, they'll demand that I attend. All right, there's my loves. Let's get into the hates. These are always so much easier. I'm sure there is psychology behind that. But my number one hate this week is people who take their birthday wishes too seriously. Like, don't sit there and wait for 10 seconds with your eyes closed when everyone finishes singing happy birthday. Like, we get it. You're mystical. You're more fun than all of us. You believe in birthday wishes. But like, do that in the privacy of your own home. I just want some cake. Number two thing I hate, the postal service, not the band, the actual United States Postal Service. This one is just kind of like in general. It's not because they did anything wrong. It's because I don't understand it. I maybe have even mentioned this before, but it just fills me with rage because you're telling me that I can fold a piece of paper, write a few words on it, put a sticker on it, and it will end up in Azerbaijan if I wanted it to. Uh, no, that's made up. All right, my third hate for the week. I don't believe that this is a hot take. I feel like this is probably something most of us agree on, except the people who participate. So I hate when parents start an Instagram for their child. That's not the end of it. It's when they make an Instagram for their child and then they interact with people on the page or elsewhere as though they are the child. So I'll see these pop up. Like I'll be scrolling. I'll come across an influencer's post with her baby or whatever. And then there's a comment from said baby that says like, yay, I love mommy time. It's like, okay, we know you commented that on your own photo. Do they think that people see it and are like, oh my gosh, that four-month-old just commented on this picture. That's crazy. Like the role play is weird. Again, I'm not saying that the whole concept of a kid's Instagram is weird because I know a lot of people do it and then they keep it on private and they just add like friends and family and then they can post a bajillion pictures of the baby and nobody complains. But when it's public and it's verified and the profile is like hundreds of thousands of followers and they're basically just this content puppet, I don't know. It feels weird. It feels weird. There's my thoughts on that. So we're caught up. We're cozy. We're ready for some spoops. As always, I'm going to add a trigger warning. Some of these are dark. Some of these are scary. Some of these are sexy. Just letting you know what you're getting yourself into. Okay, here we go. Volume two of the Booed Broadcast 2021. Why is it so much more haunted when it's volume two rather than part two? I don't know. But here we go. Starting us off, she says, I was about 13 years old and I was babysitting my little brother and sister while my parents were at a concert for date night. It was late winter and dark outside. Backstory, we had a dog named Susie and my parents spent a good amount of money to get Susie, our dog, trained very well. 
She didn't ever make a peep. So my siblings and I were in our upstairs living room watching a movie because the basement was too scary at night while I was babysitting alone. Susie started growling at the back door to the point where her fangs were showing and she was gnashing her teeth. This was far from normal because like I mentioned before, she was not a vocal dog at all. I started freaking out a bit and thought maybe an animal or someone was outside. Because I was freaking out, my siblings both started freaking out and crying too. Total chaos as my dog is still growling and barking viciously at the back door. I didn't know what to do, so I called my parents. There wasn't much that they could do because they were at a concert and wouldn't be home for a few hours. They're like, honey, we get it. You're scared, but we're at a James Taylor cover concert. I don't know what to tell you. That's probably where my parents would be anyway. Um, They wouldn't be home for hours. My dad could tell I was pretty freaked out, so he called my neighbor to peek over the fence into the backyard to see if anyone was there. My neighbor didn't see anyone. My siblings and I were still pretty freaked out, so we went in my parents' bedroom and laid on the bed to try and relax while we waited for my parents to get home. We all proceeded to fall asleep. My brother and I woke up to the sound of knocking on my parents' window, which faced the backyard. It only lasted a minute or two, but it freaked me out. I couldn't fall asleep after that. To this day, I'm convinced there was a ghost in our backyard that night. So by my assessment, this seems less ghosty and more like real human person, which is infinitely scarier. Just by the way, if I were to pinpoint the scariest time in life, it's when you're a 13 year old babysitter. You are so sure that at every time of the night, you're about to fight off an intruder. You know, when you lay in bed and you think about how you'd best defend yourself against an intruder, like wherever you are, like, what would you grab first? I told Matt that and he's like, why do you think about that before you go to bed? And I'm like, because I'm a woman. I literally think about getting attacked 24 hours of the day, all all the time. And that is not an exaggeration. We talked about this a few weeks ago because someone submitted a voicemail about how they're so sick of being scared all the time. Same, same. Like men are just out here walking through parking lots, not a care in the world. Couldn't be me. Absolutely could not be me. At like youth group as a kid, which was only girls, we literally had self-defense classes. Like I I was learning self-defense stuff at 11, I guess is when I started doing that. And what were the boys doing? I don't know, probably like learning how to whittle. And that is the root of every societal problem we currently have. I'm so glad you asked. It brings up a good point that I think smarter people than me have probably studied and written a lot about, but it should get us all noodling about the fact that women spend basically their entire life learning how to stay safe. And I personally can't think of one male who has had a class on like, hey, here's how to process your emotions correctly and not stab people. Just a thought. I don't know. How did we end up here? Not sure. This episode of The Bad Broadcast is sponsored by Italic. If you are listening to this ad while you're driving, you're going to want to pull over because I'm about to tell you about your new favorite place to online shop, and I do not want you ordering while you drive. So no matter what it is that you like to online shop for, maybe it's clothes, bags, home decor, travel accessories, fitness gear, whatever, I have found the place for you. Italic isn't just an everything store. It is your everything store. It's also mine. It's ours. It's everybody's, really. 
Their marketplace connects you with manufacturers behind the world's biggest brands and most in-demand products and delivers them straight to you for up to 60% off. Italic also has a team of in-house product experts that vet every single product, as well as their manufacturers, factories, and the materials used. You can access their curated selection of over 500 products, including everything from jewelry to cashmere sweaters to world-class linen sheets. So you can get $10 off of your first product order of $50 or more on italic.com with the code BAD. I got their lounge crew neck that would normally go for over $100. And guess what their cost was? $30. So again, you can go to italic.com. That's I-T-A-L-I-C.com and use the code BAD for $10 off of your first product order of $50 or more. Again, that is italic.com code BAD. As a parent, do you ever wish someone could just whisper some realistic and trustworthy support in your ear and not make you feel awful for not having all the answers? Well, that's what I'm here for. I'm Dr. Aliza Pressman, developmental psychologist, parent educator, clinical professor, and I'm a mom. My goal is to make your parenting journey less overwhelming and a lot more joyful. Please join me every Friday for new episodes of Raising Good Humans. But let's go on to the next story. This one, I'm just going to put an additional trigger warning, just double layer, because this one talks about murder. All right, she says, when I was 10 years old, we moved into a red brick home and had a backyard any kid would dream of. Trees with swings, vines of grapes berry, grapes and berries on the fence. Grapes, berries? I don't know if that's supposed to say grapes and berries or grape berries. I don't know if that's a thing. Regardless, this sounds like a beautiful place. <laughs> um, a hill for sledding on the side and space for a trampoline. I remember swinging in the backyard when my parents asked what I thought of the house. There was a guy on the back patio that extended from the basement who I assumed was somehow involved in the process of buying the home. He waved to me. A couple years passed and we liked living there, but my younger siblings and I never wanted to go downstairs by ourselves, even though our bedrooms were down there. In the sixth grade, I wrote an essay about how I wanted my own room because I was maturing and didn't want to have to share with my younger kid sister. I must have been a hell of a writer or maybe it was just the timing. When I handed my parents my essay, it worked. I was getting my own room. My dad turned what used to be a second kitchen downstairs by the back patio door into an extra bedroom. He gutted it for the most part, minus a sink and a built-in desk, and put up a new wall and door. My parents still had to walk through to access food storage, but I didn't mind. I was elated that I didn't have to share a room with my sister, who, at the time, I perceived her whole mission in life to be to annoy me. Thankfully, we like each other now. But that's when the nightmare started. I would have more or less the same nightmare every night. Sometimes I would wake up not being able to move and feel so helpless and paralyzed. I'd feel as if an elephant was sitting on my chest and I'd be gasping for air. We talked about this last week. Or sometimes I'd feel like someone was hovering above my body trying to suffocate me. And boy, the timing could not have been any worse. Middle school and adolescence already generally suck. I'd definitely rather go to hell than be reincarnated and have to go through puberty all over again. Then to top it all off, add sleepless nights and feeling terrified to go to bed each night. I started sleeping with my childhood teddy bear again. I even tried putting various holy books on my chest as I slept. I was losing my mind. Each night before bed, I would religiously check under my bed, check in my closet, check under the sink, under the desk, in the food storage closet, anticipating a murderous monster. Whenever a friend would stay over, I would literally have to feel their face as we fell asleep to make sure that they were my friend, not a villain in the dark. All right. 
I'm going to put put a little pause here because does anybody else get that? Like sometimes when Matt and I are talking and we're falling asleep and we're looking at each other, I like forget what his face looks like. So I have to touch it to like make sure that he is a real person. That might just be me. That might be something that only I do. <laughs> but apparently not because she puts her face or she puts her hands on her friend's face. She goes on. Thank goodness that they kept being my friends after having my hand all over their face each time we had a sleepover. The nightmare was relentless. And I cut out the next part because she describes her nightmare and it was very graphic. It's basically a very graphic murder. I could never see the face of the man in the dream. Some nights I would have a nightmare, but from the perspective of the man or the woman, or only hear the events or be in another room in the basement. This continued until I moved away from college. My younger sister promptly took over my room. The first and only night she slept there, she felt like she was screaming for help all night long. She went upstairs and asked my mom why she didn't come help her and then told our mom about the awful dream she had. It was the same nightmare I had for years. My mom told a neighbor about the experience to which they said, oh, you don't know about the murderer? What? Turns out the nightmares were an actual murder that took place. Every single detail in my nightmare was laid out in various newspaper articles. I guess the guy didn't like that I remodeled his crime scene because he made growing up in that new room miserable. The part that freaks me out the most is the obituary image. He looked so familiar, even though I hadn't even ever seen his face in the nightmares. Then it hit me. That's the guy who waved to me the day we bought the house. No, nope. These are the things that I do not understand. I wouldn't even consider myself particularly skeptical when it comes to this stuff. So it's not really a shocker to me that I believe it. But it just seems like what else can you do but believe it? Either people make these things up or they really happen. And personally, I would not be creative enough to think of a story like this. So I just go ahead and write it off as it really happened. Also, what's with haunted houses? Okay, bear with me for this one. Why do people not tell other people? And what do you do if you move into somebody's house and they don't tell you that it's haunted? Can like a realtor help me out? Like, isn't that something you should probably have to tell somebody at some point? Like, hey, just by the way, somebody was murdered. Like, okay, tell me I'm wrong. That you have to disclose if somebody was murdered in the house somebody's about to move into. Right? All right. Next up, she says, when we were seniors, a friend of mine was home alone one winter night. She was fixing herself something to eat in the kitchen, which had floor-to-ceiling windows to the backyard. She was on the phone, and when she looked up, she could see a man standing on the back porch looking right at her. She said on the phone, There's a man standing on my back porch looking right at me. Call the police, as she started backing away to another room. The police arrived within minutes and did a search of the perimeter of the house without luck. She was absolutely certain she'd seen him, but they told her there weren't even footprints in the snow on the porch. So to be extra safe, they searched the house and they found the upstairs crawl space opening slightly ajar. The man was sitting in the attic, waiting for the police to leave. Turns out he wasn't outside. It was the reflection and he'd been right behind her. Uh, goodbye. This one, this one was the scariest one I've read yet. Do I believe that it happened? I don't know. Because it sounds like one of those stories that you tell at sleepovers when you're eight. Like, remember, do you guys remember the clown statue story? Like, someone's babysitting, of course, of course they're babysitting, and they call the parents to check in, and the babysitter's like, yeah, everything's fine here, uh, but your clown, your clown statue's creepy. And the parents were like, We don't have a clown statue. Get the kids and run. Like, what the hell is even that? What is that story? 
Why did we begin this tradition of scary stories at sleepovers? We had the internet. What a horrible idea. We just had to Google like scariest video ever and then dare each other to watch it. Also, don't even get me started on Peter Answers. If Peter, if me saying that unlocked a memory for you, I'm so sorry. Anyway, if this really happened, I cannot think of anything more horrifying. If this guy was hiding in the crawl space. Have you guys heard that? Okay, so I hear this this story all the time. It was submitted like a handful of times. I'm I'm told it by a bunch of different people all the time about the guy like living in the person's crawl space, like without them knowing. And then they reached up and took a picture. Like this story really did happen, but it's like through all of these different channels and it's always like a little bit different every time. I'm pretty sure you can watch it on somebody's like Instagram or in the news or something. I am sure one of you out there knows what's what I'm talking about and you'll send it to me. But I remain skeptical when people say, it was a friend of mine like a long time ago. I'm not saying it didn't happen. Not saying. And if it did, it's really basically the scariest thing I've ever read in my entire life. But maybe it's a self-defense thing for me to be like, no, that didn't really happen. No way. There's no way that happened. (laughs) Once upon a time, long ago, there was a baby podcaster and her name was The Bad Broadcast. Spoiler alert, that's me. I'm her. So when I started the podcast, I made a list of brands that I just dreamt of working with. And this one was, not kidding, the very top of my list. This was the first brand I put on my dream partnership list. This isn't even scripted, by the way. I just feel it's important for you to know that. So this episode of The Bad Broadcast is sponsored by Way. I have been buying Way for years now. What's my favorite product? Mm, Couldn't tell you because they are one of those rare brands that do not miss. I love the detox shampoo, the rose hair and body oil, body wash, the perfume. You get the point. I use the detox shampoo once a week to just get rid of dirt and oil and leftover product. And then I like to finish it off with the treatment mask and then the leave-in conditioner. Don't even get me started on the scent of everything. It makes you feel equal parts fancy and clean. Two things I love to be. Way was created by celebrity hairstylist Jen Atkin, and it is cruelty, sulfate, and paraben-free. When you're ready to undo some hair damage, hit the reset button with the Way Detox Shampoo and also all of their other products. So go to theway.com and use the code BAD to get 15% off of your entire purchase. That's the Way. so T-H-E, O-U-A-I dot com. Code bad. All right. Next up, she says, my sister and her family lived with us for a time during the height of COVID. My four-year-old niece has two imaginary friends she called boy and girl. Bye. No, thank you. Boy and girl, (laughs) boy and girl would randomly make appearances in our home, according to my niece. Once they moved, I was FaceTiming my niece and I asked her, how do boy and girl like their new home? Don't encourage this. Stop. Uh, And her reply was, boy and girl wanted to stay at your house and they're still there. I was so creeped out that I had a little boy and girl ghost running around my house. Nothing Nothing super sketchy ever came out of it. But let's be honest, what's creepier than a kid and their imaginary friends? Love you so much. Whoever made a dig at your love-hate segment should go to jail. It's my favorite part of the podcast. Thanks. You guys are nice. I always wanted imaginary friends, which feels 
more worrisome than just having imaginary friends. Like being the type of kid who makes up that you see imaginary people, that feels almost like one step worse than just actually seeing people. I don't know. I could be wrong. All right. Enough about scary children for now. Moving right along. This one's a little a little palate cleanser, believe it or not. Here we go. She says, so once upon a time, I moved into a college apartment with five other girls, one of which had the same name as me and had also lived in the apartment the previous year. An important detail later on. It was around Halloween and a bunch of people in the building decided to watch The Conjuring. I just, I feel like there's a better group activity than that. Anyway, uh, I get scared really easily. So I was having pretty bad anxiety while watching it. And I I was just super jumpy at every little thing. When it was done, I went home and probably sat on my phone for way too long scrolling Instagram. The hallway light that leads to my bedroom had been on probably all day at this point. I'm not sure. So everyone else is asleep, I'm assuming. And I head to my room. But when I turn the hallway light off, I turn and see my name glowing in the dark and dripping down the wall, just like how they do it in the movies when things get all murdery. I'm absolutely pooping my pants, but trying not to freak out because it's late and everyone's asleep. I'm pretty sure I flipped the light on the hallway back on and ran to my bedroom, which I shared with another girl who was also asleep at the time. So I proceeded to stare at the pitch black ceiling, trying to make sense of what I had just seen. In my head, I'm thinking I've lived here for two months and nobody has seen my name glowing in the dark on the wall. So it must be new, but who would do that and why? Side note, I had just broken up with a complete psycho who had on a previous occasion shown up to my apartment unannounced. So it wasn't completely unlikely that this was something he would do to scare or intimidate me. I had also just watched The Conjuring, so maybe this was some supernatural sign that I really needed to GTFO. But basically, my mind was racing and coming up with all kinds of crazy explanations for why my name was on the wall. I did not sleep at all. The next morning, I told my roommates, who were all equally mystified, until the roommate that has my same name was like, oh my gosh, last year we had a prank war and someone wrote my name on the wall in the hallway. I didn't think it was still there. Well, yes, It was still there. So I guess that is my story. But the craziest part to me is that this roommate spells her name different than me and the people who pranked her accidentally spelled it wrong and instead spelled it the way I do. It was honestly the scariest slash funniest thing that's ever happened to me. Also, apparently one of my roommates also submitted this story to you. So I hope you choose it. Love you. Love the pod. This was submitted twice. It made me so happy. I decided to go with the story that was told by the person that it happened to in case the roommate is listening and feeling bad that I didn't choose hers. I just thought, I thought the first person perspective was, was beneficial. That would scare me. I would get the hell out of there. I feel like the only comforting part of horror movies is that the chance of most of the stuff happening to you is like zero. Like you can watch most horror movies and be very confident that you're not going to see your name written in blood at the end of a hall. Like that happens in Harry Potter, not in real life. So even if this had an explanation, it doesn't make the experience of it any less horrifying. I would be so scared. Okay, next up. This one is a little longer and a little darker. Hi, Maddie. The Booed broadcast is where my love for you started, and I have been waiting to share my story. This is kind of a long story, so I'll try and give you the short version. This is the scariest thing that has happened to me, and it still gives my sister and I the chills. When I was a kid, my family was really good friends with another family who had kids our age. Their family also had older teens who would sometimes babysit us when our parents were on double dates. One evening, their 16-year-old Sarah, fake name, babysat us alone because her older siblings had dates. I was eight or nine years old at the time. While the kids were playing outside, Sarah called us in and asked us to play a game with her. 
She brought us in and down to the basement, but left a couple of the youngest kids, my brother included, upstairs to play. My brother was four or five. She told us that they were too young, which made me feel more excited about this game. Sarah told us to sit down in a circle and hold hands because we were going to do a seance. What? Okay, (laughs) sorry. I forgot that that's where this takes a turn. We had no idea what that was, but we were intrigued. Sarah lit some candles and placed them in the middle of a circle before turning the light off and joining us on the ground. She ignored our giggling and closed her eyes. She then started to call her uncle from the dead. This made some of us giggle even harder. She said, uncle, if you're here with us tonight, please give us three signs. She paused here, I'm assuming, so she could think about the signs. Please make a clock tick, a dog bark, and someone scream. We were having a hard time not laughing at this point, but I was also starting to feel a tiny bit scared because this was so strange. Sarah shushed us. I had to say that sentence like 10 times. Sarah shushed us. And after a moment, her eyes grew big. Our giggling subsided, and it took us a few seconds, but we eventually heard the sound of a clock ticking. I couldn't believe it. I became more scared when Sarah said, we don't have a clock in our basement. We gripped each other's hands as Sarah stood up and started searching for the sound. It took her a minute, but she was finally able to figure out the cause of the sound. The faucet in the basement bathroom had somehow turned on, and the water dripping sounded exactly like a clock. Tick-tock, tick-tock. I still don't completely understand how that made the exact same sound as a clock, or how we could hear it so clearly, but as soon as Sarah turned the faucet off, it stopped. At this point, we were all feeling scared and told her that we wanted to stop playing. Okay, she said, but her voice was shaky. Her youngest brother, Sam, fake name, began to walk up the stairs to turn the light on, but he was only on the second or third step when we heard a dog barking outside. He immediately ran back down towards us and a couple of kids started crying. I still remember the feeling in that room. It was a dark, dark feeling. When I tell this story, I can always hear the sound so perfectly in my head. The barking sounded really close, like it was just outside the basement window, and it also sounded aggressive. It kind of sounded the way dogs bark and growl when they're fighting, but it didn't last long. Now we were all scared, and I never wanted my parents so badly. Seeing how terrified Sarah was made me feel even worse. Sarah eventually gathered the courage and told us that it was just a coincidence and that she would turn the lights on. Now it was her turn to walk up the stairs. She made it further than her brother, but right before she got to the top, we heard the loudest blood-curdling scream right outside their window. It was a female scream, and it was the type of scream you might hear in a horror movie. It was awful. Sarah switched the light on, and we all ran up the stairs, screaming and crying. My little brother and his friend were scared to see us in the state we were in. Sarah tried to console us, but was unable to do so. I think she may have put a movie on to try and calm us down. When our parents came home and we saw them, we all started crying again. Our parents asked my sister and I questions on our drive home the next day about what happened. A few days later, both sets of parents talked and we found out that Sarah's parents had found books about witchcraft and seances in her bedroom. She got grounded for putting us through that and all of her books were thrown out. I've told this story to several friends and only one of them questioned it and asked if it was possible that Sarah had set this up. We were young kids and Sarah wasn't a mean babysitter or a mean older sister. I don't believe that she would have gained pleasure in traumatizing us. She was just as scared as we were. I also don't think Sarah completely believed it would work, especially with a bunch of giggling kids. Our families were religious, and I think she was genuinely curious about this other world that seemed so opposite. Another thing to note, my little brother and his friend didn't hear the dog or the scream like the rest of us did, which seems impossible considering how loud they were. On top of that, you just cannot make up that evil, dark feeling we all felt. There's a difference between feeling scared and feeling darkness, and that night, we felt all of it. All right, Sarah, the babysitter slash coven leader, where are your parents? People are worried about Gen Z kids. You know, people are worried about them and how they were like raised on iPads and their brains are mushy. Well, guess what? Millennials did seances and Bloody Mary in their free time. 
I did Bloody Mary once with my childhood best friend. Her name was Krista. I guess technically her name still is Krista. She runs marathons now. It's very impressive. Anyway, we were probably like 10 and we did Bloody Mary once in my parents' bathroom and we both claimed that we saw the guy from Scream. I think I just copied her because it was what she said. So I just went with it. But but here's the thing. If there is like an evil presence or being or place or leader or whatever, it seems bored. Like, don't you have better things to do than scare kids at sleepovers? Like, don't you rule the underworld, Satan? Why have you put so much time into children? Ah, maybe it's to recruit. Maybe it's to recruit. You know what? It's a solid business plan. I can't blame him. I can't blame him. But it just seems like they're spending a lot of time just like slamming doors and pushing things off counters. It just seems like there's a more constructive thing to do. I'm not taunting any ghosts, by the way. I'm just saying there's just more that you can do. All right. I sound like I'm selling an MLM dream to a boss babe ghost. Okay. Let's move along. So I have one more scary one, and then we have a sweet one, and then we have a sexy one, which yes, it's a repeat for those of you that were here last year. It's been too highly requested and I have to tell it again. So let's get this scary one going and then we'll give you guys a a nice positive note to end on. A nice pleasurable note to end on. <laughs> All right. She says, hi, Maddie. I love your podcast. It has greatly improved my opinion of Mondays. I have only told this story to my mom and my best friend. So welcome to the inner circle. My husband and I have three little girls. He got a job in Anchorage, Alaska in 2019. We packed up our home and made the move from the lower 48. We purchased a darling home nestled in the trees. It's not isolated, but has a lot of wooded area around the property. Immediately upon moving in, my oldest daughter, a pragmatic five-year-old, started seeing a woman in the hallway outside her bedroom. She initially thought it was me, but it always occurred while I was downstairs or already in bed. The phantom nanny would lean around the doorway and look in on the children and disappear. My daughter wasn't scared until she realized it wasn't me. Now, I believe in ghosts. I've had a few unremarkable brushes with the spirits myself up to that point. I didn't want to freak her out, but I didn't want to gaslight her either. So instead, I listened. I asked questions and I reminded her that our home is safe. We asked that our home would be full of love and only good spirits could enter. Then when no one was around, so I didn't look crazy, I assured the ghostly governess that I appreciated her checking in on the kids, but she was scaring them and it was time to move on. Explaining my resemblance to the woman in the hall, my husband suggested maybe it was my grandma who had passed just months before our move. We had a close relationship and lived next door to each other throughout my childhood. She was a very practical woman, so I imagine once she realized it was startling the children, she at least had practiced the art of subtlety. I like to think that it was her. Months went by, and our ghost had long since moved on. So it was late one December night. Midwinter in Alaska has a heaviness to it. The sun shines for only a few hours and only just above the horizon. Everything has an icy blue glow, making for a strangely beautiful, eerie time of year. Jeez, Ernest Hemingway write this? It's like really well written. I remember it was particularly dark that night. The cloud cover was thick, no moon, stars, or northern lights to illuminate the snowy landscape. The only light outside was a porch light from another house through the trees. My husband and I fell asleep on the couch like the responsible adults we are and woke sometime after midnight to the rosy glow of the Netflix icon. What? I'm telling you, this is like beautifully written. We turned off the TV and with sleepy eyes, put away the blankets and destroyed all evidence of snacks. I lagged behind to grab a basket of clean laundry and turn out the lights. I turned out the last light and stood in the window staring at the woods. As I often do, I scanned the ice-clad birch and pine trees for the bulky shadow of a moose. I distinctly remember the sudden feeling of being watched. 
I turn around to see the darkened figure of a man blocking my path through the hallway. I yelped, but it immediately registered that it was my husband. He gets the occasional desire to startle me. I don't know why he ever thinks it's a good idea because it's mean and my immediate reaction is to throw hands. I said, what the hell? Don't try to scare me and move toward him like I was going to rough him up a bit. But the figure didn't flinch. Weird. Now I was getting mad. You're freaking me out. Stop it. No response. It wasn't my husband. I felt the blood drain from my face. The hair on the back of my neck stood up. I was terrified. I started yelling for my husband. It was the middle of the night. The house was dark and quiet aside from my frantic pleas. I was frozen in place, staring down the shadow man and could not contemplate why my husband was not rushing to my aid. It's amazing how quickly your brain can process and how desperately it tries to make logic out of the illogical. In a matter of seconds, I went from believing this shadow was my husband to positive it was a home invasion and my husband was dead and therefore unable to respond to my yells. I couldn't see the shadow's face, but I can still feel the way he looked at me. Evil. I kept my gaze locked on the man and the laundry basket between us. I moved backward to turn on a light so I could face my would-be attacker, and once I flipped on the light, he vanished. I dropped the basket and sprinted upstairs, bursting through the bedroom door, pale-faced and wide-eyed to find my husband completely oblivious. He had not heard a thing. To this day, I still don't understand how he did not hear me yelling. With a death grip on his arm, we went back downstairs to try and explain what I saw. Maybe the light from the clock on the oven was casting a weird shadow. No. Maybe the final light was shut off and my eyes were tricked. No. We could not make sense of the shadow man. With all lights still off, my husband walked in front of the sliding glass door. The porch light from the house through the woods cast his shadow right where I saw the figure. Stop, I said. That's where I saw him. Was someone outside the door? All of a sudden, I was hoping for a ghost in the hall rather than a man outside my window. My husband turned around and opened the door, peering into the darkness. He saw no one and no footprints were in the snow. I want to believe that it wasn't some light-footed sicko watching in my window. Maybe it was an evil spirit who wanted to get in, but only good spirits could enter now. Maybe that's why my grandma was there. I think it says a lot that it was preferable for there to be a ghost in your house than a man outside your window. Is this the most feminist episode I'll ever release? It might be. I was not expecting that. Uh, That's terrifying. I feel like every year that I do these, I sway back and forth between like the stories I believe and the stories I'm skeptical about. But just when it's somebody's personal experience, how do you how do you discount that? And I also want to do the storyteller a favor and believe them because first of all it's a weird thing to make up, okay? Second of all, it's it's like I said earlier, very creative and weird to like type it all out and send it into a podcast if it didn't really happen. But I just feel like you know, when people experience these things and you can tell the way they talk about them, I don't know, guys, it just does not feel it does not feel made up. So this is one of them that I believe. This is one of them that I believe. Again, not a huge skeptic. Doesn't take a whole lot to convince me. This episode of The Bad Broadcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is there something preventing you from achieving your goals? I know that for me, when I get down in the dumps, I can guarantee that absolutely nothing is getting done. And then the next day rolls around and I'm sad that I didn't do anything the day before. And then that sadness carries over and I continue to not do anything. It's this really fun cycle. Anyway, BetterHelp is here for us. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can connect in a safe and private online environment, and it takes less than 48 hours to get you matched with a counselor. 
BetterHelp is not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. You can send a message to your counselor anytime and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it free and easy to change counselors if needed. Not to mention, BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. It is convenient, professional, and affordable. So many people have been using BetterHelp that they are actually recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. So as a listener of The Bad Broadcast, you will get 10% off of your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com bad. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that is betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash bad. All right, next up, I'm going to read you this one. This one is very sweet. I loved this story. And then the last one, you know, you know what's coming. No pun intended. Okay. Uh, she says, this one is called My Guardian Ghost. This is not a scary ghost experience, but was a product of the most horrific time in my life and is now one of my most treasured memories. Let me begin with saying that I've always felt a strong connection to my ancestry. Even as a young child, I felt keenly aware that those who came before me were still around, not in a haunting way, but in a loving and protective way. I am religious, and I do believe that after death, our spirits live on, both good and bad. I've had several experiences when I felt the presence of people who have passed on, and I know they were there with myself or my family. Following college graduation, I caught the travel bug. I was itching to get out and see the world. So in 2019, I went to teach English in Thailand and travel through Asia. The week before I was supposed to fly home, I was involved in a tragic motorbike accident. Through a series of extremely unfortunate events, which I won't get into here, this accident caused me to be stuck in the country for many months. My passport was confiscated by police and I was not permitted to leave the country. As you can imagine, it was all extremely traumatic. The group of volunteers I came with all left to go home on schedule leaving me in this foreign place all alone. I spent several days there by myself before a new group arrived. While they were all very kind and lovely people, I was so effed mentally at that time that sleeping in a room full of strangers made me feel more lonely and afraid than actually being alone. That first night with them there was the first time I experienced a panic attack. In the wee hours of the morning, I was curled up in my bunk, hysterically sobbing and feeling an uncontrollable panic rise in my chest. The weight felt so heavy that I couldn't breathe or speak. And even if I could, how was I supposed to ask these complete strangers to help me? I was so scared. I was begging for someone or something to come help me. Moments later, I felt a presence enter the room and sit on my bed next to me. I was in the fetal position facing the wall with my back towards the presence, but I knew immediately that it was my grandmother, my mom's mother. She had died a few years prior at a very old age. I remember her well, but she looked different now. She was younger with raven black hair and only a few wrinkles beginning to show around her eyes. She looked beautiful and had a slight glow surrounding her being. The paralyzing panic I felt moments before was replaced with a calm warmth. I felt it physically spread to every inch of my body. I felt her hand lightly squeezing my shoulder and she sat with me in silence until I was able to stop crying. She spoke to me then and told me that she had come to make sure that I was okay and that she'd stay with me until I fell asleep. That was all either of us said. I slowly drifted off and was able to sleep through the night for the first time since the accident. When I woke, she was gone. There were five other people sleeping in that room, and none of them heard or saw anything unusual, but I know that it was real. I later told my mom that story, and she confirmed that she undoubtedly believed me because she had been praying and begging for somebody to show up for me because she couldn't be there for me half a world away. I cry every time I recount what happened that night because I am so grateful to have had the privilege of that experience. See, there we go, guys. They're not, they're not all scary. They're not all bad. I do 
wholeheartedly believe that ghosts are real and they can be good. And I felt like that would also help get the the scares out of your brain. So when you feel a ghost, just picture this girl's lovely grandmother tickling your back as you fall asleep. All right, we're going to end on a crowd pleaser. This one, like I said, was told last year, but I had to, I had to revisit it. So thank you to the person who submitted this. You have made bad broadcast history. And let's get into our final story of today. She says, hello, you wonderful lady. I just saw you post a prompt on Instagram for people with ghost stories to write in. This is a story I usually only reserve for close friends who I know will not ridicule me endlessly. However, yours is the only podcast in the world that I can actually tolerate. I absolutely adore you and I can't think of a better way to out myself than on the bad broadcast. I'm already anticipating your reaction to this story and I'm screaming. I have no idea if this is even appropriate for your podcast, but I will try to keep it PG-13. So back when I was 19 or 20, I was home from college for Thanksgiving break back in my hometown in Illinois. I was taking a nap in one of the chairs in our living room with my feet up on an ottoman. I know how you love details. She knows me. It was around sunset time, and I remember opening my eyes from the nap and not being able to move. Most people would identify this as sleep paralysis. I could see everything around me as if I were awake, but I had no control over my body except for my eyes. I had never had sleep paralysis before, and I have never had it since, but I realized what was happening to me pretty fast. Surprisingly, I didn't feel any anxiety at all. I just kind of laid there, accepting what was happening. Very out of character for me, being 10 out of 10 anxious. I look into the corner of the room, and I see a woman appear. She's completely gray. She almost looks dusty. Face gray, clothes gray, hair gray. She looks about 30 to 35. She's wearing Victorian garb, complete with a hat and a dress and a small bustle. Yes, honey, we love costuming. Somehow, I have no idea how, but I was not scared at all. I knew immediately that this lady was a ghost and somehow at the same time had this insane feeling of complete peace and safety wash over me. Truly felt tranquil AF. A few details. The house I grew up in is a Victorian home and my town is pretty freaking old. Also, I knew this was for real and not a dream because in my dreams, she would have been way hotter. (laughs) She definitely wasn't 2000s hot, okay? She was a plain Jane, as some would say, but really had nothing spectacular about her looks wise. Anyway, this Victorian ghost mama comes walking... (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. Okay. Okay. I need to prepare for this. Anyway, this Victorian ghost mama comes walking slowly towards me with this very friendly, peaceful smile on her face. I somehow knew she had no intention of hurting me. Still cannot move my body, by the way. Then she comes to me, kneels down in front of my ottoman. (laughs) Okay. I still cannot move my body, by the way. Then she comes over to me, kneels down in front of the ottoman that my legs are up on, and proceeds to do unspeakable acts to my nether regions. <laughs> Listen when I say <laughs> this lady knew what she was doing. Didn't even introduce herself, but I was somehow cool with it. I truly have not had a lover since whose skills compared to my Victorian phantom mistress. Wow. It was my impulse to make noise, obviously, but then I realized I could see my mother in the next room drinking her coffee and starting to prepare dinner. I could see her moving around, hearing her banging the pots, etc. I realized that I needed to be quiet or she would think I was having some wild sex dream and I would be super embarrassed. How could I have explained that I was just getting jiggy with a ghost? I kept trying to keep real quiet and then me and Ghosty wrap it up if you know what I'm saying. She hit a home run. (laughs) It's still shocking a year later. She stands up, gives me one last sweet, peaceful smile and fades backwards into the corner whence she came After what felt like a minute or so, I could slowly start to move my body again and got up, 
went to the fridge for some water to rehydrate after that wild ride and smiled awkwardly at my mom trying to gauge if she had heard anything. I think she was clueless. (laughs) Anyway, that's my insane ghost sex story. I've never had another encounter with a ghost since then, and I swear I would not fake this. I think maybe I was in a state of complete sleep paralysis between sleeping and being awake, and I was more sensitive and susceptible to encountering a spirit. Or like she felt more chill making herself known to me. I don't know. But I hope she's doing well, and I'd like to thank her for giving me some wonderful afternoon delight. I'm assuming you had to hide that back in her day, so I'm glad she enjoyed herself. There we go. The tale in writing. I'm exposing myself and my paranormal sextivity. Have a wonderful rest of your week and keep being you. <laughs> oh, it's so good. It's so good. I could not, I could not let the boot broadcast go one more episode without resharing that with all of you. So thank you guys for being here. I know it was a wild ride. I know we get scared. I know we giggle but it's all in the name of Jack Skellington. So I hope you all have a wonderful week. Keep it spooky. Be safe. Be kind. Be hot. Subscribe, rate, review while you're at it, while you're being safe and being kind and being hot. I love you so much. I'll see you next week. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. Remember, you can catch a new episode of The Bad Broadcast every Monday. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss anything. Also, I want to hear from you, so please leave a rating and review. You can also follow me on Instagram at The Bad Broadcast for all the behind-the-scenes action and more information. Talk to you next week.